0: It's interesting there's um there's a script I was thinking about yesterday um, that seems to tie in quite aptly with what you were just sharing and what the word Lisa brought. If Matt could help me, second Kings twenty
1: two. Twenty two. Joshua was eight years old when he began to rule, and he was king for 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Jediah, daughter of Adiah and Bozkah. Josiah did what was good, what the Lord considered right. He lived in the way of his ancestor David and never stopped. In Josiah's 18th year as king of Judah, he sent the scribe Shaphan, son of Uzziah, and grandson of Meshulam, to the Lord's temple with these instructions. Go to the chief priest, Hilkiah, have him count the money that has been brought into the Lord's temple, the money that the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Give some of it to the foremen who are in charge of the Lord's temple. They should give it to the workmen who are making repairs on the Lord's temple. These works include the carpenters, builders, and masons and also use the rest of the money to buy timber and quarried stones to repair the temple. Since the workmen are honest, don't require them to account for the money you give them. The chief priest Hilkiah told the scribe Shaphan, I have found the book of Moses teaching in the Lord's temple. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and who then read it. The scribe Shaphan went to the king and reported, we have taken the money donated to the temp, in the temple and have given it to the workmen who are in charge of the Lord's temple. Then the scribe Shaphan told the king, The priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shaphan read it to the king. Then the king said, sent for all the respected leaders of Judah and Jerusalem to join him. The king, everyone in Judah, Everyone living in Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, young and old, went to the Lord's temple. Josiah read everything written in the book of the promise found in the Lord's temple so they could all hear it. The king stood behind, beside the pillar and made a promise to the Lord that he would follow the Lord and obey his commands, instructions, and laws with all his heart and soul. He confirmed the terms of the promise written in the book, and all the people joined in the promise.
0: So I'm going to talk today a bit about commitment, and I want to use use that mutually interchangeably with the word promise. But um, it's interesting when Lisa just shared there, and something we've been talking about for the last few weeks, which is when we do the possible, God does the impossible. When we look at Josiah and the sense of the preparation for going to the house and the sense of confidence he had in in those who tended to the house of God, he said, don't even worry about them accounting for the money. And, you know, all the last two to three weeks, we've been hearing about great acts of sacrifice among us. And I'm saying, God, it seems that as a people, we are ready in ourselves, sacrifice is not the thing. But I remember John sent an email out and he said, unless God builds the church, we labor in vain. And when I read that, it kind of um, it just jolted my, 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 a thought inside of me that we're going to be overtaken by something. And it's quite interesting that we were visiting the bones of Joves, Joseph and trying to reacquaint ourselves with the values. And when we look at Josiah's response after the book is found and it is read, there was a sense of celebration. Um, and I think coming out of this season, there will be a sense of God so filling us again. Yes. If we present ourselves as vessels, ready to receive, um, that we can have something you said there, John, a sense of expectation, but with that feeling that we then be equipped to go do something. There was a next time when they, in Nehemiah 8, this was under Ezra and um, Nehemiah, when the book was read again, and there was a whole sense of refreshing that came from being reminded of the values and God being among them. But one of the things with the old covenant is that often when that happens, there's a sense of mourning, a sense of stripping off, a sense of woe is me, <laughs> I failed God. And I think I want to reinforce today, and we'll cover that a little bit in the, in, the, in the teaching, a sense of that we exist now under the new covenant. And we'll talk a bit about the technology For once we embrace the values and once we have a new and a fresh sight of God, what should be the responses of our heart? Not a sense of our inadequacy, not a sense of our shortcoming, but a sense of expectation, jubilation, and a commissioning to go and fulfill what God is calling us to do. So, if we just a quick recap, over the last few weeks, there have been several teachings, we didn't cover them all, um, but we did integrity, we did money matters. In fact, rather than I list them out, who could tell me the others that we did? See if we serving, what else we did? Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood, yes, that's one. What else we did? Who's been able to go over the notes or to listen to the audios? Grace. <laughs> serving. I guess we weren't listen to when Grace was being shared nearly you <laughs> say. All right, then. So these are some of the yeah, these are some of the, the values we went over. And it's important that this is not just teaching and scriptural references to underscore a key principle or character trait that we need to have as believers. We must make this our own. If this is indeed values that are ancient and in the DNA of who we are. And we're carrying them into the next frontier, it must be something that we personally own. And we'll talk a bit about that when Christ said in Hebrews, no longer shall it be externally thought, but he will write it on our hearts, he'll inscribe it on our minds, and, and you know he will be our God. And that's what we want to push on to. So commitment. Found this interesting definition in the Urban Arm Dictionary. Commitment is what transformed the promise into reality. It's the words that speak boldly of our intentions and the actions that speak louder than words. Um, and when I read that at first, I was like, yeah, that sounds like it, but no, it sounds like a bit of my, my will. Is it my will that makes it happen? Is it my, my fortitude that brings it to pass? So we'll discuss a bit about that as we go on. But I have some questions here for us. And the questions are, when we talk about commitment, I'll look at four key areas. I wouldn't drill down that far under on, on any of these, but I'll kind of lay a platform from which we could continue to develop and chat these things through in our groups, in our families. So the question to yourselves, and by the end I'll be saying the question to me, and you could ask it also for yourself, all right? But how is this evidence in your relationship with God, increasing change in you, your relationship with others, and those who are pouring into your life and pouring and providing oversight. So, the first one is, what are we committed to? We are committed first to God, and that's through a life of faith, obedience, and repentance. We are committed to righteousness. This is the foundation upon which we build our lives. And righteousness there, you see in the, in the slide previously, I used the word change. So it's a ever a present continuous position of journeying with him. We're committed to fellowship. So we are committed to the people within our house groups, this community and this journey together that we are on. And we are committed to leadership for the equipping and the building up of ourselves. So if I just take us back to that question I asked earlier, which is, is commitment a result of high discipline and a fortified will? Is it the same as covenant? And this is going to be an interactive session. I'm going to be asking questions, and I want you to also ask me about practical examples to demonstrate this thing, or else, again, I might as well just read the script here. Let <laughs> me just listen. Yeah? Is it practically outworking in our lives? So um, I'm going to ask you some questions and I hope you could put me on the spot as well and ask me how these things are applicable in my life. So, on this first question, is commitment a result of high discipline and a fortified will? And I'm leading here by saying it's not. Um, so, let me see those who agree with me. Not much. <laughs> so, commitment. Is it Is it a result of a discipline and a fortified will? So is it in my doing something? Is it in something that I do? You do do not think it is. Anybody in the center? You think that's it? Is that a good definition of commitment? Partly Partly that. And partly... Okay it might be. Yes <laughs> I received that. Anybody on this side? Uh-huh, Claire. How does that fit in? Anybody <laughs> wish to offer an answer? Ans isn it? Yes. So he's saying that commitment isn't a fortified will, but it doesn't mean that we should not have it as part of the toolkit in pursuing uh, God's will. John will adjudicate if we can't agree, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a Simon?
2: this idea of the discipline and a fortified will is not, is not something that's wrong in and of itself, but the way that, that the source of that, the source of the right expression of that comes from that relationship with God. So somebody who isn't tapping into God and is involved in this high sense of discipline and a fortified will of which you say, there won't be anything of grace shown in that. But when someone's actually connected with God and being with Him, then the discipline and the fortified will will express itself, but in a very different way.
0: Lovely. Lovely. I'm hearing a lot in all of that that is speaking about the key ingredients of commitment. So, a lot of that high discipline and fortified will, I want to suggest represents the old covenant, the external ordinance The facts of the rules of what you need to do. And then this is the result. Alright? But two of the key ingredients God has given us is revelation and grace. Which, as Simon was... was, Sorry. uh, Go
1: ahead. Uh, What would be the definition of a fortified will? I'm a bit confused by that.
0: (laughs) Fortified will is, I will do it no matter what. So it's it's void of the result of what the commitment is seeking to bring to pass, but it's all about, I said I was going to do it, so I'm gonna do it anyway, where it doesn't produce or it doesn't carry at its heart a sense of the purpose for the journey, yeah? So um, I wanna suggest that part of that commitment and fortified will, if we stay just there, it's a mere legal obligation that we're fulfilling and it doesn't take us into the realm of the new covenant or from a position of revelation and grace. As well as, I want to suggest that it's not a covenant. You can't, and a covenant there could be with what Claire was saying, that contract, you have a contract with your job. But because you're committed to the promise, you, committed, you commit to the covenant, you understand your contribution to the job. You go not based on the male level that somebody will fire you or give you a disciplinary because you didn't fulfill the nine-to-five. You're going and exceeding beyond that. It's more about what you're doing and the reason behind it rather than just the legal obligation. But if we just come a bit to the revelation and grace, and I want to suggest in the four areas I spoke about before, which is God, righteousness, fellowship, and leadership, these are all still applicable. Is that something you all could agree with me with? Could you see revelation and grace applying in the terms of commitment to God, in terms of the commitment to righteousness, fellowship, and leadership? Anyone want to suggest that probably they aren't universally applied? Daniel, your eyebrows are up. <laughs> um I found it interesting. I thought, while well, just doing some background study of this, I will have to use the New Testament to kind of support that sense of revelation, because obviously uh, those things really didn't happen much in the Old Testament, and this, you know, and grace and stuff. And then I came across a scripture in First Chronicles twelve sixteen to seventeen. No, pr- primarily eighteen. Clive, are you able to bring scriptures up? 1 Chronicles twelve, sixteen to seventeen. And this is when the mighty men were coming to David and, and and kind of surrendering to David their, their, their ambitions, their intents, and saying, You know what? We're gonna follow you as you follow Christ. And what Clive is bringing that up, I'll start reading. And some of the men of Benjamin and Judah. And some of the men of Benjamin and Judah came to the stronghold of David. David went out to meet them and said to them, If you have come to me in friendship to help me, my heart will be joined to you. But if to betray me to my adversaries, although there is no wrong in my hands, then may God of our fathers see and rebuke you. Then the spirit clothed Amasi, chief of the thirty, and he said, We are yours, O David, and with you, O son of Jesse. Peace be with you. And peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. And at this point, I, I know we, we saw God turning up to, to, to Abraham and stuff, but I couldn't remember this part where the Spirit actually was coming on guys and giving them a sense of revelation of the purpose of God. And people were committing to a journey and a direction in God because of a Holy Spirit enablement true revelation that God was with David and truly under him. God was going to establish his kingdom. In Romans 1, 5-6, it says, though we, have received, though we have received grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake, and you also are called among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ. Um, and I think somebody across here was also saying, it's a dimension of grace, or probably it was yourself, Neil, that this thing that we are committed to the genesis, the seedbed from which it comes, is from way beyond a decision in the mind. It's God who gives us the ability to be called to repentance and to walk in the path of righteousness. Um, Hebrew 8.10 says this, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after the time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they would be my people. And I just thought it would be interesting for us to say, okay, how is this relevant for us now? While I appreciate, we could call out all the patriarchs from the scripture and we say, well, look, this is how the guys in the first church demonstrated a sense of commitment, Titus, Timothy, all those guys walking on the pole. Can we here today... Testify that commitment if it's one of our values, if it's one of the bones that define as part of our DNA, are we able to give practical examples of how this is alive among us? So, this is our next open session. I don't want to pick people. If people could, in terms of commitment to God, how is this alive and work in you from a perspective of grace and revelation? Anyone? What is your commitment to God evidence in the context? Claire?
3: In the groups that I go to where people are talking about what they've experienced, I mean, that increases my level of faith. So I don't know if that's what...
0: Yeah. You know. so you're saying you're having an increased sight of God at work in the lives of others. Yes. Yeah.
3: So being part of this body... When I hear and see God working through other people, that also inspires my faith levels. So therefore, the, the grace and the revelation...
0: Of him, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else on, <coughs> on God? How does that demonstrate commitment to yourself? No one? Let's go to righteousness. A life of change. Sorry. What, them,
1: just, what, the mic. I would say that my, my commitment to God would be expressed in what fills my head when I'm driving to work in the morning, what I listen to, how I pray. Those are the sorts of things that would express my commitment to the Father would be what I'm meditating on, what I'm thinking on.
0: What um, about when you walk into the classroom?
1: Yeah, that, okay. that, that sort of thing. I'm not saying that I'm there completely, but what I'm saying is that's, that's how I would Want to see growth. So the space that I've got, the, the space in the car, do I choose to listen to um, some politician on the radio saying something which I may or may not agree with, or do I choose to, to, to use that maybe to be praying, to be worshipping, whatever uh, God gives me in that time and in other times that I have in my life?
0: Gary, sense. let's go on to, can I ask you to talk about Righteousness. So your change, your journey in him, how could you evidence commitment in that? How do you evidence commitment in that? Gary Easter at the back.
2: Uh, my, my change is basically the leader's weekend away when um, I was hit with revelation to basically be open and come forward and bear my soul to not only God, but to everybody else. Now, God's been faithful and with his grace has revealed so many different things to me. Um, And the commitment I have is to press into him. Uh, One such thing is my natural default before, through my work, as everybody knows, um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I had a previous job literally go completely wrong on me. And my default would be to be really, really angry, not to seek God, not to seek help, just be frustrated in all of that. Mm. But now, with God's grace, the, the thing went wrong big time for me, and I was on my knees crying crying and saying, why me? God, please help me. In that instance, the default was not there. I was straight on the phone texting my own family and asking for them for prayer, in which their response was amazing. My daughter phoned me immediately to say, don't worry, God's with you. My wife sent me a prayer for a text, praying. For she's, I'm praying for you. This is what I'm praying. Mm. My son blew me away by sending me a text as well, but starting with the words, and excuse me. Oh, shit. Excuse my French. I know exactly where you are. So, what are and you? What's going on? What are you pointing it's, there
0: towards? The sense of interdependency on others?
2: It's, um, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so, in that sense. All right.
0: But you, you, you use a marker point there. You said a January event. Um, but I was asking about righteousness or, or change, a journey of change. So you're saying, over, you have noticed from that point from, from a that desire point, to, to no, not no, live within the, the solitude of your own competence.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And always going back and seeking Him. I've never been faithful before in what He's given me for others or stepping forward in faith. And so, you know, that journey is to be committed in that respect. And that's how he's helped me also to help others and help myself and my family. It's just...
0: Uh, Thanks, Gary. Anyone else? Avril? So we're talking about righteousness and your journey and perfection in him.
3: I think for me, the revelation comes when either God shows me something directly that needs to change in me, or my faithful friends... Help me see what God's saying. And the grace is just that reality of I come to God and say, well, I want to, see, I want to be different, so enable me to be different. And that's that incredible combination. Is, as he reveals it, he then enables us to change. I don't have to then think, oh, okay, I've got to do it.
0: Yeah. For me this week, I came out of a small minor tailspin where I was feeling a bit bogged down in the corner, and I was like, oh, what's this coming from? A sense of fear. And as I continued to say, you know, God, uh, this ain't all right. Can't stay here too long. This place, <laughs> I'm frightened. Uh, this is not going to produce your righteousness. And God was showing me there was a sense in which that fear was birthed in. There's some things that I think are unforgivable because I had these high water marks in my mind, I was almost saying, if Phil does this, he wouldn't be forgiven. (laughs) If this person does it, he wouldn't be forgiven. And that in itself imprisoned me where when I was confronting certain things, I saw that I was almost saying, I will not accept God's grace if I do this or if I do that. And it built one dark, wet, moist dungeon for myself (laughs) this weekend you know, I kind of access some grace through talking to some of the guys and, and, and Kadian and stuff. And, you know, having walked with God for so long, it is not something you, if you spoke to me on Monday, <laughs> I would be able to, I would say, well, yeah, no, nah, that's not an issue for me. But it was just interesting. From Tuesday, I found myself going down a spiral into this dungeon of fear and a sense of unforgiveness for myself simply because I had, this rigid position of saying, God, your grace is sufficient only up to this point and no further. Uh, and I just felt, I, I, I got a revelation of the righteousness that comes from God. I got a revelation that of, of what God really has done for us. That is nothing that we can now still do to gain access or our ability to live within the fullness of all he's called us to do. If we just go on to fellowship, because we need to finish shortly, I should be receiving a lot. of. I think this is one of our strong points of a community or DNA. How is commitment evidence in terms of our fellowship one with the other? Where is that Mike? And where are the hands more interestingly? Anyone? On this side? Not clear. <laughs> i got everyone's eyes turned around now. Anyone on this side? Commitment, through fellowship? Kim?
3: Yeah, on the journey that I'm on at the moment, um, there has been a few things in the last few weeks, and I've drawn close to people when I've felt um, overwhelmed and stressed and said, This is how i'm feeling this is what's going on and i think it's that it's it's very simple and very obvious but being able to talk to people and say stand stand with me i don't want to feel like this i think this is the enemy you know sometimes that process of opening it out to others certainly helps me think through what's actually Mm -hmm. going on here so that i can stand in a place of peace through things rather than trying to slug my way out of things on my own whereas and that's a, commit, that's a commitment rather than oh, I'll get back involved when I've sorted myself out, which I think is a very British thing. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll sort myself out and then, then I'll have time to be able to... But actually, it's through the grit of life mm-hmm. as we support and care and love one another